want to go to the Word of the Lord tonight. I want you to grab your Bibles. We're going to turn to the book of Acts, the 17th chapter. And I do feel the Holy Ghost in this house. God, I feel it moving through me right now from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. God wants to speak to this church. God wants to speak to this congregation. Acts chapter 17, verse number 1. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollina, they came to Thessalonica where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered, risen again from the dead, and that his, this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. Some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas and of the devout Greeks a great multitude and of the chief women not a few. They had a great revival. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy because they saw they were losing their grip. Took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort and gathered a company and set all the city in an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. When they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren under the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. I feel like there's some people in this house tonight that it is your destiny and it is your calling and it is your divine purpose to turn the world upside down. Jesus, anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I bind every demon spirit in hell. I curse it, cast it from this house. Let the Holy Ghost flow freely and richly in this place. Let your hand rest upon me. Let your breath propel me into the place you want me to go. In Jesus' name. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Clap your hands and give the king praise. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. Several years ago, Life Magazine wrote an article which they entitled, Looking for Heroes. The synopsis of the article was that there are no more heroes anymore. Let me say tonight that Americans have always been captivated by heroes. When I was a young boy, they made heroes out of Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, and God help us all, the Incredible Hulk. Now, I shall never forget the day I snuck out of my daddy's home and went to the next-door neighbors. And they had a television. And they turned that TV on, and I was watching with great curiosity. As this giant of a man showed up on the screen, and all of a sudden, 
his clothes started busting loose. He started turning green. And I closed my eyes and I repented and I walked out of that house and I had nightmares for days. That was my introduction to the incredible Hulk. But Americans have always been captivated, enthralled, fascinated by heroes. In 2023, sadly to say, it seems that our country is trying to make heroes out of zeros. If you'll have the audacity to flaunt your your abominable lifestyle in the face of the world, they will tell everybody how courageous you are and how heroic you are. I want to tell you tonight, amen, that's not heroism. God help me. On July the 31st, 1985, The New York Times published an article that I will use as the title of my sermon tonight. They wrote an article entitled, Where Have All the Heroes Gone? Where Have All the Heroes Gone? Willie Nelson in 1980 wrote a song or sang a song and it turned into a number one hit single on the country music charts. Said my heroes have always been cowboys. Hang with me. Tonight, I want to respond to Willie. And I want to boldly declare to Brother Willie that this man's heroes are not cowboys and my heroes are not ball stars and my heroes aren't movie actors and actresses and my heroes are not social justice warriors peddling their demonic ideologies but my heroes are men and women of God who dare to stand up and stand out God help me, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But I believe in this house tonight, uh, there's men and women uh, that are heroes. My heroes are men like C.P. Kilgore. His son James dedicated me. C.P. Kilgore was a Pentecostal pioneer preacher who while preaching a tent meeting in Talco, Texas, had so many that wanted to be baptized and nowhere to baptize them that he took them out into a cow pasture where there was a little cow pond to baptize them. The only problem was that when they got to the pond, It was infested with snakes. These are my heroes. And C.P. Kilgore stood on the bank of that cow pond 
lifted up his voice and pointed his finger and cursed every snake in that cow pond. Amen. And from that day till this, they have never seen another snake in that pond or in that location. I'm telling you, that's a hero of the faith. I could tell you another one of my heroes. His name is Matt Holland. He was a poor preacher from Mississippi. He was known and called Mississippi River Rat. God spoke to Brother Holland one day in prayer and told him to get on a bus and go to California. And he didn't have the money purchase a bus ticket so he sat in the bus terminal just before the bus was about to leave someone walked into that bus terminal and handed him a ticket to get on that bus brother Highland got on that bus and that bus headed out for California and he traveled on that bus for quite some time all the way from Mississippi to California and sometime in the middle of the night, when the bus was out in the middle of the desert near Indio, California, the Holy Ghost shook him and told him to get off the bus. And he walked up and tapped the bus driver on the shoulder and said, I need to get off. And the bus driver said, I'm not stopping here, sir. This is not the bus stop. He said, oh, no, I know it's not the bus stop, but this is where I need to get off the bus. And so the, he had to argue with the bus driver just to be let off the bus. The last thing the bus driver told Matt Holland, he said, there's nobody around here, sir, and more than likely you will die. Matt Holland stepped off that bus and stood on the edge of a deserted highway. And there he waited. And 15 minutes after the taillights of that bus had disappeared into the, mid, into the middle of the desert, amen, here came a car down that highway, amen, and stopped by Matt Holland. And a man got out of the car and walked up to him and said, Sir, are you a preacher? And when Brother Holland said, Yes, sir, the gentleman said, I've been praying that God would send a preacher. And while I was down praying. The Holy Ghost told me to get up and drive to this location and there'd be a preacher to pick up and you'd start a church in our town. And Brother Holland, amen, started a Bruss Harbor meeting and 25 people were filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. And the church in Indio, California was established. talking about my heroes. I could tell you about a man named Hushira. I pastored his church in Dayton, Ohio. He was named after John Huss. He was a mighty prophet of God. When he was young evangelist, he was traveling in the state of Texas. He left one revival meeting to head to the next. He was on Highway 59. He told me, son, I had to leave my shirts in the cleaners at my previous revival because I didn't have the money to get them out. 
And he said, I didn't have enough gas to get to the revival I was headed to, but I was just headed down Highway 59 in northeast Texas. And he said, I, the sun was rising up that morning. And he said, I came around a bend on Highway 59, and there was an exit, and I took it. He said, I pulled into the parking lot of a gas station. And my wife said, Huss, what you doing here? You don't have any money? He said, I don't know. I just feel like stopping. He said, I walked into that store, and I walked to the back of that store, and I was looking around, and there was a man that met me in the back of the store and said, are you Huss here? He said, yes, sir, I am. He said, I was sent to meet you here. He said, sir, that's impossible. I didn't even know I was coming until I was just up to this exit, and I decided I felt impressed to get off. He said, oh, no, you don't understand. I was sent here to meet you, and I was sent here to give you this. And he reached out his hand and put a wad of cash in Brother Shearer's hand, and Brother Shearer was so surprised. He said, I turned around, and I walked to the front of that store, and when I got to the front of the store, he said, I thought, man, I need to go back and tell that man thank you. And he said, I turned and walked back to the back of the store, and the man was gone. He said, I ran up to the cashier and said, ma'am, could you tell me where that man is that was in the back of the store? She said, sir. I just opened the doors of this place just a few minutes ago, and you're the first customer I've had. Brother Shearer walked out, got in his car, and when he sat down, this is the God's honest truth. His wife looked over at him, and she said, Huss, what's wrong with you? You look like you've seen a ghost. And he reached out his hand, showed her that water cash, and she said, oh, my God, Huss, times are bad. But they're not that bad. You go back and give them that money. He thought she thought he'd held up the store. I'm talking about heroes. I'm talking about men and women that walked with God. Men and women that talked with God. Men and women that God talked with them. I want to preach to you tonight, amen, about where have all the heroes gone. Let me tell you one more before I get too far into my sermon. Let me tell you about a man, amen, by the name of Win T. Stairs. He was a man of God and a passionate soul winner. Went to New Brunswick, Canada. He's responsible for many of the oneness Pentecostal churches that are there today. And this is what Win T. Stare said. We might get by at the judgment with some remote area of the world not having been reached. But we will not get by at the judgment if we do not take the message of Jesus to our neighbors. I know we're living in dark days. I know we're living in troubled times. I never thought I'd see this day. I'm going to tell you we're living in days where folks think wrong is right and right is wrong and up is down and down is up. But I've 
come to declare and preach into this congregation tonight amen that God has chose you for this day amen this is the greatest time for you to live this is the greatest opportunity for you to be alive someone said brother Smith amen it's wicked out there it's chaotic out there it's vile out there can I tell you this is the greatest opportunity to have revival that this world has ever known God is just looking for men and women that said I'll be a hero if you study Jewish history you'll find that their greatest leaders their most powerful heroes were born in the worst of times in the days of the judges when there was an enemy on every corner and there was danger everywhere that Israel looked it was in that hour that the Samsons and the Jephthahs and the judges were raised up what are you saying I'm saying tonight that the tougher it gets the tougher it gets the better opportunity do you have to be a Daniel or a Jeremiah the tougher it gets the darker the night the brighter the light let me preach to you tonight and tell you my Bible said that in the evening time there shall be light I don't care how dark it is there's a light that's going to penetrate the dark Oh, you'd have never known and never heard of Samson without his Philistine. You'd have never heard of David without his Goliath. You'd have never known of Daniel without his lion's den. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. My God, and the reason people's going to know about you is because in this dark day and in this trying time and in this vile place, amen, God is going to raise you up to be strong and do exploits. Was those challenges and those dark hours that plagued these young men molded them and made them into the heroes they became. Let me remind you tonight that what caused the apostolic church to explode with revival in the book of Acts was when things became so wicked and so vile and so corrupt and the political system of that day vehemently turned against the church. And when a demoni or a demonic madman named Nero began burning Christians at the stake until the smoke of that sacrifice choked the city of Rome, the church daily increased. Matter of fact, the emperor Domitian said, no Christian, once brought before the tribunal, should be exempted from punishment without renouncing his religion. Ooh, but they had some hard-headed apostolics. 
They had some people that said, we won't bow and we won't bend. We know who we are and we know who's within us. Can I preach to you tonight? It don't matter what comes against you. If you know who you are and who's in you, you can stand in a wicked day. You can stand in an evil time. Domitian said, if you don't renounce your religion, we're going to kill you. They just looked at him and smiled. So they tried lions, wild dogs, but they couldn't stop the church. The church was made to walk on nails and stones and spikes and thorns. The church was beaten until their flesh hung in tatters and their veins and muscles were exposed. They were buried alive. They were tied to horses and dragged through the city streets. They were encased in bags with scorpions and snakes. They were put on racks and stretched till they were dead. They were stoned, they were tortured, and they were burned with hot irons. But they couldn't stop church. Matter of fact, in the midst of all of this, there were men and women who rose up and said, this is my opportunity. This is what I've been looking for to expand the kingdom of God. What are you saying tonight, Brother Smith? I'm saying I don't believe we are living in a world where there are no heroes anymore. Matter of fact, I want to answer the New York Times question in tell you where the heroes are. They're in apostolic churches all over the world. God, I feel the preacher on me tonight. I said the heroes, amen, the real heroes are in apostolic churches. They're in apostolic prayer rooms. Her name was Hannah Sinesh. She was a Jew that was born in Budapest, Hungary. During a time of great Jewish struggle. When the Germans were deporting Jews out of Hungary, rounding them up like animals, and sending them to concentration camps. And then on to death camps. And after seeing how the Jews were being treated, this 16-year-old girl, Hannah, walked up to her mother and said, I'm not a Jew anymore. I don't want to be a Jew. Her mother said, Hannah, baby, it's not that easy. She said, you take these holy books and you read them. And after you're done reading them, you come back and tell me again that you're not a Jew. When that 16-year-old girl, Hannah, finished reading the holy books, she came back to her mother. And this is what she said. I am a Jew, and I will be the greatest Jew that ever lived. Hang on, I'm going somewhere tonight. 
Hannah Sinesh went on to become one of Israel's greatest freedom fighters. Her name tonight is synonymous with heroine. In 1943, British authorities agreed to create a special commando unit composed of European-born Jews who would be parachuted into the Balkans. They would collect intelligence and they would assist their fellow Jews as much as they could. About 240 men and women were recruited for this operation, and in the end, only 32 were chosen. Hannah Sinesh was one of the 32 Jews who, were, who parachuted into Yugoslavia during the Second World War to assist in the rescue of Hungarian Jews about to be deported to the German death camp at Auschwitz. She was captured by the Nazis at 23 years of age and was executed by the firing squad. After she died, they found several poems that Hannah had written. One of the last stanzas that Hannah wrote went like this. As a child, I heard a voice calling me, commanding me. It was dim at first, but I knew I was chosen. It called me until I followed. Now I hear it clearly. I must be the match to strike the flame. I must be the flame. What are you saying here tonight, Pastor Smith? I'm saying tonight that there is a voice in the spirit that is calling the church to be the match that strikes the flame. I'm telling you tonight there is a voice that is calling to the church not only to be the match that strikes the flame, but be the flame. Can I tell you it's time for a Jesus revolution in 2023. It's time for an apostolic one God, tongue-talking, apostolic revolution. I pray that it starts tonight. I pray there's some revolutionaries that'll leave this house tonight and say, I'll be an apostolic and I'll be the best one that's ever lived. I know it's dark. I know it's chaotic. I know it's vile. But it's our greatest time. Matthew 11 and 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence. And the violent take it. It ain't going to be handed to us. Gonna be given to us on a silver platter if we're gonna have it uh, we gotta take it by force let me tell you something the kingdom of God is not invited the kingdom of God is imposed God, I don't want to offend nobody. But this foolishness says that says, except your Lord Jesus Christ as a person. No, 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 no. Ooh, the kingdom of God 
is not invited. The kingdom of God is imposed. It is forced. This world, you ready? This world does not belong to Satan. He is an intruder here. He is a squatter here. And he's on our property. This is just the way I believe it. This is the way I preach it at home. But Dayton, Ohio don't believe that don't belong to the devil. Dayton, Ohio doesn't belong to Satan. You know who Dayton, Ohio belongs to? It belongs to the Apostolic Lighthouse Church. Anderson, Indiana doesn't belong to Satan. It belongs to First Pentecostal Church of Anderson. But if you're going to push him out, you've got to impose it. You've got to understand he is an imposter here. He is a squatter, and he's on your property. God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I feel something burning in my soul. I, I feel something stirring in this building tonight. I, there's some people going to leave here changed. I, there's some people going to leave here transformed. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We are the kingdom of Almighty God. And I stand here flat-footed tonight, and I defy any devil that would try to hold on to territory when God tells me to go and take it. It's ours. It's ours. That's the problem. That's the problem with apostolics today. We've been sitting back for too long. Amen. We've been just taking it easy for too long. We've been complaining about how bad things are. When you need to understand it don't matter how bad things are. You've got a power on the inside of you that is greater than any power in this world. Apostle Paul did not walk into the city and ask the devil if he'd mind moving over. walk in there and just say, devil, would you mind, you know, I know you've been here a while, but I, I feel like I want to study first. Would you just move over? No, no, no. I want you to hear the testimony of the Apostle Paul. He said, I went to Ephesus and I fought the beast at Ephesus. The devil was an intruder, and Paul came to run him off. He said, I went to Ephesus, and I fought the beast of Ephesus. You know what that means? He fought the demonic spirits of that city. He stood up against the demonic spirits of that day and said, you don't belong here. Ephesus is not yours. God has called me to this place. God has anointed me, and God has equipped me. I'm not asking for your blessing, devil. I'm telling you, pack your bags and Get out. 
Come on, somebody. Come on. You don't have to ask the devil for anything. fought the demon spirits that day. He stood up flat-footed, called them out, and said, you don't belong here. Get out. Now, Brother St. Clair, I'm not a spooky dude. And if you want me to stop, I'll stop anytime you tell me. But a couple of weeks ago, we've been in the middle of a red-hot revival in Dayton, Ohio. And a couple of weeks ago, I... Went to bed and fell off to sleep. And then that's in my time of sleep, somewhere in the early morning hours, I had a dream. And in that dream, I was standing on the outside of a large building. And I can't tell you exactly how I, it, it was like the angel of the Lord just kind of escorted me in through this door into the building. It was like a large gymnasium. It was dark in there, but there was lights flashing. And, and it was like God was speaking to me spirit to spirit. I didn't hear any voice. It was just like he was imparting to me wisdom. And he said, this is a gathering of witches. Now listen, these witches were not dressed in custom classic witches garments they didn't have the tall hats and the long flowing black dresses but I'm going to tell you what I saw I saw a building like a gymnasium where every seat was filled lights flashing and they were dressed in the color of the rainbow now I'm not going to go into that and tell you what I think it means I know what it means but I'm going to leave that alone tonight Amen. But, but when I saw that the Lord spoke to me and said this is not only happening in Dayton but this is happening around the world I just knew it. It was imparted to me as wisdom. It was spirit to spirit talking to me. And I woke up. When I woke up, there was such a strong presence of God upon me. And I heard the voice of the Spirit say to me, I have chosen you to change the atmosphere. It was so strong in my spirit that I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God was speaking to me. And I believe tonight that it was a message not only to myself, but I believe it was a message to the apostolic movement that the church is in this last hour has been selected and chosen by God to change the atmosphere from the wicked, evil, vile, corrupt of our present world in to apostolic revival. He has selected the church. He has purposed the church. He has empowered the church to change the demonic chosen us 
to stand flat footed in 2023 and not be afraid and not be intimidated but it's time we know who we are and know who our daddy is and it's time we square our shoulders roll up our sleeves and walk in the apostolic dominion that God has placed upon us I'm preaching to people in this place tonight that God has his hand on you and he's saying I have selected you to change the atmosphere I feel like jumping on the pulpit, running the backs of pews. I feel such a powerful unction of the Holy Ghost upon me tonight. Let me tell you, the devil, the devil knows the power of atmosphere. That's why he's pushing his propaganda. That's why he's pushing his agenda. Because the devil knows the power of atmosphere. Let me show you. Most people are, enti- are not enticed to sin until they get in the wrong atmosphere. The enemy knows if he can get you into a wild club or a wild party, you're more prone to sin than you are if you're in a library. You know why? What's the difference? The atmosphere is the difference. You can grow bananas in Jamaica, but you can't grow them in Alaska because the atmosphere is not conducive for bananas to grow in Alaska. There is something you've got to understand about atmosphere. The atmosphere creates a climate, and the climate creates a culture. If the enemy can get you in his culture, the enemy can get the apostolic church in his culture. He's got us right where he wants us. I'm not trying to be ugly, but I'm telling you, I got to get it off me. I am so tired, amen, of soft, limp-wristed churches, amen, that just want to go along to get along, that just want to, don't want to upset anybody, and don't want to preach nothing, and just let everybody by. I'm telling you, you got to understand, the devil is creating a culture in that kind of a church. to try to develop an atmosphere that ends up creating a culture. Uh, God knows my heart tonight. I'm tired of walking into so-called apostolic churches and you can't feel that much of the Holy Ghost. What I tell my church at home, we don't have time for one service to be a bad service. We don't have time for one service to be a hiccup where it's not the best. No, when we walk in the house of God, we need to walk in expecting God is going to do something tonight. We need to walk in believing God is going to do the miraculous tonight. Why? Because we have created a culture for revival, for the miraculous. atmosphere creates the culture 
creates the climate. The climate creates the culture. If the enemy can get us in his culture, he can get us to sin. And I want you to know tonight the same is true of the Holy Ghost. Atmosphere is everything. I said atmosphere is everything. Let me let you in on a little secret if you don't know it. God responds to atmosphere. He is everywhere, but he does not manifest his presence equally everywhere. God manifests his presence when the atmosphere is right. loves the celebration he loves an atmosphere of praise and worship from his people now if you walked into apostolic lighthouse church t tomorrow i'm not ashamed to tell you i'm proud of it there'd be some folks there you'd say oh my god pastor's let up no i ain't let up i just let them in They have gone bonkers. I've prayed for them. I've prayed them through the Holy Ghost. I've watched them come back into the altar. A few services later, amen, laid my hands on them, and they go to speaking in tongues again. They go to dancing and shouting. You know what? They think, my God, this is better than the club. This is better than any party I've ever been to. And then you know what pastor does? I get up there, and I throw gas on a fire. And this is what I tell them near about every service. There ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't stop. Because I know that God responds to atmosphere. But I got a girl there. Young girl came in, prayed through, off the street, got baptized, got the Holy Ghost. Her hair shorter than yours. When she came to church, she was very confused, if you know what I mean. Yes, sir. But the other night when church was over, here's that girl with the short hair and so confused, didn't know what or who she was. She was out in the party and they sent pastor a video. And this is what she was saying. There ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't stop. That's the kind of climate and that's the kind of culture that we have to have in the apostolic church because God responds to atmosphere. a celebration. He responds to it though. He, Psalm 22 and 3 said, God inhabits the praises of his people. That word inhabits means he is enthroned or feels comfortable enough to sit down. When the atmosphere is filled with celebration, praise, and worship, the Holy Ghost, the God just feels comfortable enough. Say, I think I'm just going to take a seat in here tonight. I think I'm just going to sit here for a while. See what I can do. You know, we know that God is our healer. There ain't nobody in here that doesn't believe that by his stripes we are healed. 
We know that God is our healer. I don't doubt that one bit. So why do we have so many never seeing any physical healings take place in their life? If we know he's a healer, if we believe he's a healer, I'll tell you why we don't see more notable healings take place. Because there is not an atmosphere for miracles. There is a limited atmosphere of faith. Let me tell you something. It was several years ago we had a young lady come to our church. Her name was Kathleen. We were in the middle of a revival. Holy Ghost was doing amazing things. Miracles were taking place. Kathleen came into that church. And her neighbors, they lived in a trailer park, and Kathleen lived in a trailer park. And she saw her neighbors dressed up and were getting in the car, and she said, where are you going? And they said, we're going to church. Would you like to go? And she said, I'd be glad to go with you. And so Kathleen got in the car and went with them to the church. It was a revival meeting. Kathleen didn't have any money. She was broke. She was poor. She was in a bad shape and a bad place. God touched her that night in service, and when she went home, it was the winter. Now, I don't know how cold it gets in Indiana, but in Ohio, it gets cold in January. She was so poor, she didn't have any oil in her, in her oil drum. And she walked in that house, and she got up under the covers of her bed. And this is what she said. God, I'm pretty cold tonight. Pretty cold tonight. And she said, I heard my furnace kick up. And all of a sudden, heat started coming out of those vents. And her trailer heated up. That went on for a few days, and then she, she went to the next-door neighbors. And he's a, he's a man preacher in our church. And, and uh, you know, he, he just wants to make sure it's right. <laughs> she said, I don't have any fuel in my, my oil drum, but I've been, yeah. my, my house has been heating up for the last couple of days. And so he went over. He went, he went over to her. I'm sorry. He went over to that trailer and he got a big stick and he took the top off the old drum and he put that stick down in that old drum. When he pulled it up, there was nothing on the bottom of that stick. And that trailer heated her up for six straight weeks without one drop of oil in the barrel. You know why? Because God responds to atmosphere. I'm, oh God, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. God is wanting the apostolic church to get this down in your soul to realize he can do anything. He wants to do anything. He's just looking for somebody to say, I want a Jesus revolution. I want an apostolic revolution. I want to be a hero. I, I want to be a revolutionary. Miracles happen when the atmosphere is right. When people begin to respond to the presence of God, he responds to the people in a greater measure. So... From the days of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence. The violent take it by force. I'm about done tonight. 
COVID-19 came. I don't know where it came from. I, I, I couldn't care less where they say it came from. It came from hell. And I believe it was the devil's plans to stop the church. It stopped some churches. But it didn't stop the church. We, we, we ran buses. We bus Sunday school students in on Sunday mornings. We bust in a lot of them. But the city said, you can't use those buses no more. So we stopped using our buses. We shut down church for two months. God forgive me. I told the Lord, God, I'll never do it again. I'm not going to be a nut about it, but I'm never going to do it again. We couldn't pick up those Sunday school students. We didn't see those Sunday school students for months. My wife, I mean, she's a, she's a firecracker. She's, she's, a, she's amazing. And uh, she said, we got to do something. We hadn't seen these kids in months. And... Uh, I'd read a book years ago written by a man named Bill Wilson. It was called, Whose Child Is This? <clears throat> if you haven't read it, you ought to read it. It's the most imp impacting book I've ever read in my life. It's about a man that started a Sunday school in Brooklyn, New York. It's not a normal, traditional Sunday school. He doesn't bring them to church. He takes the church to them throughout the week. It's called Sidewalk Sunday School. <clears throat> he runs over 20-something thousand kids every week in sidewalk Sunday school. And my wife said, if we can't run buses and we can't bring them here, we can go there. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Hang on. Now, now, maybe you wouldn't do it like this, but this is what, what we did. I call, we called the man that wrote that book that's got that 20-something thousand student Sunday school and said, would you send us a couple people up here to train us on how to do it? And he did. They brought, they went up, they taught our Sunday school teachers. We start establishing Sunday sidewalk Sunday schools throughout various parts of our city, had various teams scheduled and, 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 and in, uh, for each Sunday school area. Amen. And every week, amen, we are ministered. We don't bring them to our church. Amen. We go to them. But every week, we're ministering to 150 to 200 Sunday school students. Amen. In the streets of Dayton, Ohio. And this is what my wife said the other day. I said, by the end, of the year we ought to be at 500 she said oh no we ain't going 500 I believe we can have a thousand you know why because we're going to have a Jesus revolution huh. got to teaching those kids beautiful thing about it was we got to teaching those kids and when you're teaching somebody's kids and you show them how much you love them, you get the heart of that parent. All of a sudden, not only now we're teaching those kids, but we've got parents in Bible studies. We've had parents come to church, get baptized in Jesus' name, and get filled with the Holy Ghost. You know why? Because it's time to have an apostolic revolution. 
it's time for some apostolic revolutionaries to say I'll be a hero. was good. And we decided, you know what? We're going to start a, a drug addiction recovery. We called it Living Free. Every Sunday night, we have church on Sunday morning in the main building. Every Sunday night, we have a youth chapel in our School gymnasium. And every Sunday night, we have between 100 and 120, 125 people that aren't a part of, that, that, that are not members of our church, but they come to that, that recovery program. They hear the word of God. They feel the touch of heaven. And for the Luke St. Clair, I can't tell you how many we baptized and watched Jesus filled with the Holy Ghost. You know why? Because we made it our mission. We're going to take our city. The devil is an imposter here. The devil is a squatter here. He doesn't have any rights. And I command him to pack his bags and leave. Done if I get help on the music. But we created an environment. I'm not patting myself on the back because I'm going to tell you, I could, I'm just telling you how it happened. We didn't do anything, it just started falling into place. And on January the 1st, we had a Holy Ghost crusade at our church for the first day of the year, and 41 people got the Holy Ghost, 15 people got baptized. And it's been hot, red hot fire revival ever since. Since January 1st, we have baptized 188 people in the only saving name of Jesus Christ. We have seen over 130 baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost. The reason I say 130 is because we stopped counting. I don't know how many got it, but I can tell you not only did we have 130, but the man, the man that went to the jail has prayed over 15 people through to the Holy Ghost since the first of the year. I'm talking about God chose you for this day. This is our time. It's our moment. It's what we've been praying for. What I've been fasting for. A couple of weeks ago on a Tuesday night, I was walking out of my office. I had an evangelist. He got sick, had to go to the hospital with kidney stones, and so I had to preach. And I got my sermon, and I tucked my Bible under my arm, and I was walking out of my office. And when I stepped through the door with my Bible in the arm, the Lord spoke to me. And I went back. He gave me a scripture, and I went back. And I looked over that scripture. This is what the Lord told me. You can have as much revival as you want to have. And I'm going to tell you, I believe that's a message to every apostolic church. 
in America and in the world. We can have as much revival as we want. It is all predicated upon us. That's what the Bible said. He maketh small the drops of water that pour down rain according to the vapor thereof. In other words, he said the amount of rain that falls is predicated upon the amount of vapor that rises. And so I say tonight at First Pentecostal Church, Anderson, Indiana, you can have anything you want. If you send it up, he'll turn around and send it down. Come on, step out, step out, step out. You believe what I preach, why don't you step out? Claim it in the name of Jesus. I'm a revivalist. I'm a revival revolutionary. We're going to have a Jesus revolution. of the Holy Ghost are in this house tonight. And if we'll respond to him the way he desires us to respond to him, I'm going to tell you this church is going to blow up in such an incredible revival. You won't even be able to contain what God's wanting to do in this building. I believe that. I'm not just saying that. I believe that. Because God is wanting to let us have revival in unprecedented fashion.